forever. Dog. A boy who needs a friend finds a world that needs a hero. This week on the podcast, Michael Endy's The Neverending Story. Welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that discusses YA pulp fiction and that this month discusses fantasy. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And we are reading the very famous uh, book by Michael Endy. We'll go with that. The Never-Ending Story. Never-Ending Story. Um, <sighs> you must. This? We can't. We can't. We cannot sing the theme. No, yeah. we're not licensed anyway. for it. <laughs> no, I'm saying you can't talk about the never-ending story oh. without singing the theme. I thought you said we cannot. We can't. Not, can't not. not. I see. We can't not. Well, we're already off to a swimming start. Indeed. Understanding what a great everything. Episode. Every episode. Um, <clears throat> this book. Okay, so for people that are not familiar, this book covers more than just what the movie covers. It covers, um, and you told me this, Lindsay, because as I was getting to what I thought was the end, I was like, there is 50% left. <laughs> um, it covers also Never Ending Story 2. Yes. Uh, the um, the movies. Or rather, swap that. The movie covers the second half of the book. Yes, the Never Ending Story 2, <laughs> the next chapter, covers the second half of the yes. book. Because just to be clear, it is not mm -hmm. a novelization of the movies. The book no, no, no. First. The book existed first. It was also written originally not in English. It is a German book. It's a German book that was then translated into English. Yes. Um... And there's certain differences, you know, like it's Fantasia in the movie, it's Fantastica in the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and a listener said to us that it is just a different kind of translation. Oh, and sure. What do you wait? What do you mean? Like because the book is a translation, it's just like Fantasia is just a different way to translate oh. whatever the German word is. So it's not really like they changed it. Right. Okay. Exactly. Oh, okay. It's like that was just a different like Victoria Valdez wrote us about it. Oh, uh, she nice. said Fantastica because it's translated from German. Fantasia is a solid translation. Oh, interesting. Cool. So it's just, yeah, all all translations are in part the work of the translator. Mm -hmm. They're definitely mm -hmm. like I didn't want to read Les Miserables until I discovered this one translation of it because right. I tried to read it before and I'm like yes. and then this one was a much like livelier translation mm -hmm. in my opinion uh, the one done the, by Julie Rose the uh, the uh, Les Mis one yes yeah, uh, the, the, the version that we read which I think is the widely uh, I didn't look into look into whether Ralph or not there Manheim were, yeah I the, don't is, know if they're is an updated translation. I don't know. All I know oh, is, yeah, I'm looking through here, and this is kind of the version that I that I read. Um, I really liked this book. I loved it. 
I mean, I had obviously, you know, a, a couple of like just story issues with it. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, I, and I get and I and I think this is personal preference, too. Right. Where it's like um, the whole idea of the, the, the existence of the luck dragon and a lot of people people critique critique it because they're like, oh, it makes everything too easy. But huh? I think that's a misunderstanding. Uh, I, I think like in the movie, maybe you could say that a little bit more that like that the luck dragon just seems very like he comes in right at the right time and blah, 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 blah. That's how luck works. Well, also, <laughs> it's uh, to me, I think it's especially in in context of the book, it miss that critique misunderstands what the struggle of the book is. of the thesis of this book is which is that like all the plot shit like doesn't even really matter so like him having an easy time coming across this or coming across that like that doesn't really matter because like because of the entire second half of the book because the entire second half of the book he's the fucking villain he's being guided by well atreyu is who finds the luck luck dragon dragon. yeah and he's being guided by the Orin. Mm-hmm. Or Oren, Oren. <laughs> it's in all caps in the book. Yeah, um, which uh, was a fun detail in the book that um, it's like such a big deal that no one can even refer to it by its name. Yeah, it's like yeah. you can't even speak its true name, so they call it the gem, mm-hmm. or I forget what else they call it. The glory, they call mm-hmm. it the gem or the glory. Um. He's being guided by the Orin, and this is mm-hmm. all like a di- like. How the fuck do people think quests work? That's how stories yeah. go: is things happen, and the author decides to make the thing happen. I am baffled by this critique. Well, it's actually it's 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 a um, it's a term of art uh, to describe something as a luck dragon. Um, something it's kind of like like Deus Ex Machina, like on that level of of description. Well, then it's perfect. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with people? I mean, for me, it's like I understand why someone would think that. I just think they don't understand the the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like uh-huh. I understand why the theory of a luck dragon, right? It's like this thing that comes in and um out of seemingly nowhere um and helps the main character uh get to the thing that they never ever would have been able to get to had they not come across this thing. But A, it's a luck dragon, so luck is part and parcel of what it is. Yeah. And B, at least in the book, that's not the struggle. You know what I mean? Like him like as we've learned, right? Him getting to the the child like Empress was not in fact the goal. If we go like story arc, right? Like, yeah, he thinks that's the goal, but it's not the goal because the actual goal is to create a story that the kid reading it can see himself in. So that way he will come to Fantastica to save Fantastica. Yeah. The goal is to entrance Bastion. Yeah. And go on a, an exciting journey. Mm-hmm. That's weird i am baffled yeah. by this critique in every way because it's a story random things happen all the time it's not like there are some things where i'm like well that's convenient this is yeah. not one of them yeah 
No, I don't think so either. Um, it's really weird. I'm very <laughs> I'm yeah. angry at these people. <laughs> I loved all the different descriptions. And I think I love when something is described in a way that you wouldn't think to describe it. And yet it's so apt. And I think that this comes from it being a translation because oftentimes it's like, you know, when someone's like, oh, you know, the Japanese word for this means the feeling that you get after your best friend leaves, you know, like that mm -hmm. very specific thing. Mm -hmm. But there were parts where it was like when we describe where Atreyu is from and he's talking about this juicy grass. I was like, oh, the grass so juicy. Like, <laughs> I, I could see that grass and I know uh -huh. what it looks like. Uh-huh. This juicy fucking grass. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I felt like this story had such beautiful things to say about life and about love and about what we get from it. And there was like, there's a part where, and I know this is jumping and, and, and I, I just want to say it while I remember because, um, mm -hmm. my mind has had trouble keeping track of thoughts lately. Um, no. Oh. It's just uh, ADHD. Just feeling like, scattered. Like, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, what was I doing? It doesn't matter. Okay. So uh, it's when he meets Morla, which is that really old. When Atreyu meets Morla, which is this really old um, turtle island thing that lives in the swamps of sadness. After mm -hmm. our text. Died. An iconic. Iconic. Iconic scene. This whole movie is iconic. I mean, there were so it, it it was one of those and therefore things the book. that's like pre nineteen ninety eight children's uh, content or entertainment, which is like, listen, this is gonna fuck some kids up. Yeah, <laughs> like it's gonna be scary and like because the Sphinx thing. I mean, you and I talked about the Sphinxes. Mm -hmm. The Looking frightening, terrifying. The uh, Artax dying in the swamps of sadness. Um, which, oh my God, this, this book had something to say about fucking depression. I mean, it was, it's uh, a great book. It's a book about, about the nature of storytelling, about the nature of being human, about humans relationship to storytelling, mm -hmm. about the, the like good it can do unless it, like, unless it's a lie. Mm hmm. It, mm -hmm. It, it's so interesting. And it's like the power when, of storytelling. Yeah. Yes. And when Bastion enters the story, I mean, for one thing, I was shocked at how this played out because Never Ending Story Part 2 is fucking crap. <laughs> I am, I'm sorry to the people who made this, but you made a bad, bad movie. It is a terrible adaptation. It looks nothing like the second half of the book. It is garbage like the author well, so didn't like never-ending story he thought it was a bad adaptation which makes me very sad because especially now having read the book it seems like exactly what the book is i thought it Exa was exactly. it seems so faithful and even scenes that are added like atreyu sees the rock biter he never meets mm -hmm. the rock biter in in the book and they're mm -hmm. called i think rock chewers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um also every character has an insane name that I I was I started to write down the names mm -hmm. and then I was like I'll just look at Wikipedia later I'm sure it has it and then I was like oh there are 12 million characters yes and all of their names are insane and I'm not really meant to remember them no they don't so really matter I names don't matter they're journey trying. <laughs>
<laughs> um, oh, but can I can I read the yes. thing? Oh, I'm really so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes. No, 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 no. No worries. So it's it's. I, I literally was on a walk reading this, and I stopped in my tracks because if you, oh my god, Lindsay suffers from depression. I suffer from depression. This thing that Morla fucking says, I was like, ah. <gasps> okay sakes alive morla gurgled we're old son much too old lived long enough seen too much when you know as much as we do nothing matters things just repeat day and night summer and winter the world is empty and aimless everything circles around whatever starts up must pass away whatever is born must die it all cancels out good and bad beautiful and ugly everything's empty nothing is real nothing matters i was like you're dissociating you need to calm down (laughs) like it like truly like that i was like wow like and and this book is filled with characters experiencing things like this and saying things like like when Artax is in the swamps of sadness. Oh my god. Artax talks for one thing you guys. Artax cool. talks in the book and it is there are like I think both versions are very powerful. I think that they were right not to have the horse talk, not to have Artax talk in the movie. Yeah. Simply because of special effects at the time and yes. it is so powerful that he says nothing and that atreyu is just interpreting his thoughts yes yes it's beautiful but then artax yeah. talking in the book i was like holy shit yeah when he's like describing like how he's feeling and he's like and it's definitely depression where he's like you know like i just feel like nothing like, i'm hopeless I ne- i'm hopeless i will never feel happiness again i just feel I was like, oh, Artax. And then Artax just submits to the swamp. He says, so, but the farther they went into the swamps of sadness, the more sluggish became his movements. He let his head droop and barely dragged himself forward. Artax, said Atreyu, what's the matter? I don't know, master. I think we should turn back. There's no sense in all this. We're chasing after something you only dreamed about. We won't find anything. Maybe it's too late even now. Maybe the childlike empress is already dead and everything we're doing is useless. Let us turn back, master. Atreyu was astonished. Artax, he said, you've never spoken like this. What's the matter? Are you sick? Maybe I am, said Artax. With every step we take, the sadness grows in my heart. I've lost hope, master, and I feel so heavy, so heavy. I can't go on. But we must go on, cried Atreyu. Come along, Artax. He tugged at the bridle, but Artax stood still. He had sunk up to his belly. and he made no further move no further effort to extricate himself artax cried atreyu you mustn't let yourself go come pull yourself out or you'll sink leave me master said the little horse also he's little i can't make it go on alone don't bother about me i can't stand the sadness anymore i want to die desperately atreyu pulled at the bridle but the horse sank deeper and deeper when only his head emerged from the black water atreyu took it in his arms I'll hold you, Artax, he whispered. I won't let you go under. The little horse uttered one last soft neigh. You can't help me, master. It's all over for me. Neither of us knew what we were getting into. Now we know why they are called the swamps of sadness. It's the sadness that has made me so heavy. That's why I'm sinking. There's no help. And then he tells him to go on and please don't watch him die. He He was like, I couldn't have you watch me die. I was like, no, Artax, you're too good for this world. Will you grant my last wish, the little horse asked. Atreyu nodded in silence. Then I beg you to go away. I don't want you to see my end. Will you do me that favor? Slowly, Atreyu rose. Half the horse's head was already in the black water. 
Farewell, Atreyu, my master, he said, and thank you. Atreyu pressed his lips together. He couldn't speak. Once again, he nodded to Artax. Then he turned away. No! So fucking sad. So sad. I was oh. like, that, I mean, I remember crying really hard when I was a kid. Oh my God, it's that. so upsetting. So sad. And the way but, it cuts and and Atreyu didn't move. Yeah. And he's just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. So sad. Um, I love, so I don't remember NeverEnding Story 2 and perhaps that is. Um, Do you think you have <laughs> seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I just okay. don't remember any of it. Oh my so God, I it's think so bad. That must be, yeah, I was going to say it's a, <laughs> it's telling. I, I remember watching it and going, this is not as good as the first one. This is lame. <laughs> and then I watched a couple clips and the trailer and it is not the book at all. It's so simplified. Bastion is such a little dope. He's not <laughs> learning. It, it's just like, I can't even, the whole movie centers on, um, oh, dang, what's, what's, what's that bitch's name? <laughs> uh, uh, the childlike empress? Zar, no, the, the bad witch. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Za, Za, so it's an X. Zayari? Zaid. Zaid, Zaid, with an X. Zaid is, like, the overarching villain. mm and she has trapped the childlike empress in the ivory tower. And the childlike empress, ooh, and I have some, ooh, okay. So the childlike empress appears to Bastion and is like, to save me, you have to name the like fog surrounding the ivory tower. And he's like, name it? It's like, yeah, Bastion, you know, the thing you did in the first half of the book? Yeah. And in the book, he's naming things left and right. This kid knows how oh, to tell a story. Stop. He can't stop. He is driven by storytelling. It is in his blood. He thinks up crazy ass names instantly for everything. And in the movie, he's yeah. like, I have to what? Well, like and he, in, he, he like goes to this amaranth mm -hmm. and it's totally completely different and he's there and he's like will anyone help me on my quest to name this thing and i'm like you what? need help to name this thing that's like the one thing he can do is it's like the one thing he can do and it's the thing fucking him up it's his downfall it's it's literally him like you know like the whole thing is like a metaphor for like the like the person that you can become if you forget who you are yeah it's like losing yourself in a fantasy yeah and losing yourself like i feel like it's a critique of like when people are like bullied a lot and then they they're like i'm gonna become someone new i'm no one i'm nowhere near that person that i was they retreat and then, into themselves well and yes. then they can become bad right like mm -hmm. they can become the bully if they forget what it was like to be who they were and it's kind of like he's so powerful and he gets very filled with hubris and all that because he's so good at telling stories every time he tells a story it takes away a memory of his life and that in 
and and in in the book it is it is called a, a wish or no it's not every, it's like every time he makes a wish i don't know it's a combination of well, making yeah, wishes and wish. telling stories they call it a wish but then he well, doesn't like ever actually he, say i wish it's like he he just has a sudden drive for something he has a desire for something he doesn't have to say I wish for this. It's sort of like a realization. The childlike empress is like, follow your wishes for they will lead you to what you truly, truly want. And he's like, I don't know what I truly want. And she's like, nobody does. That's the quest. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay. And so he, but it all happens very organically. He's like letting the adventure guide him. And then he realizes something. He's like, I wish that I were handsome. I wish that I were strong. I wish that I were wise. I wish that I were this. I wish that I were that. And the ultimate thing he wishes that helps him get back home, I thought is so beautiful. And I almost don't even want to say what it is right now. Okay, let's wait. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So what happens in the movie is, so Zaid is just one part of Bastion's quest. Mm -hmm. He runs into her and she's like, she convinces him he should take over all of uh, Fantasia. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the childlike empress is missing. Nobody knows where she is. And she's emptying him out because her power, she can control whatever is empty. Yeah. She is like the entire plot of the movie. Is that oh. she has like cast a spell, and every time Bastion makes a wish, he loses a memory, and she sends this like fucking annoying ass bird to convince him to make wishes, and he's like really like resistant to make the wishes at first, mm-hmm. and then he starts making wishes, and they go like horribly wrong, and he's total crap at them, and then I don't know things happen. I stopped. I stopped looking into it after that because <laughs> I was like, this sucks. And he's just himself the whole time. He's always wearing oh. his stupid normal clothes and he's always bastion and he never wishes himself into an Asian kid, which I thought was bullshit because I thought that was really cool. <laughs> um, Yeah, I liked him being an Asian like stud. Yeah, he's a handsome Asian boy. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was just really cool that he wanted to be a different ethnicity. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, hey, good for you, you little mm-hmm. white kid. Mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. don't do that in real life. Don't do it in real life. Don't do that in real life. And at first, I was kind of sad that he, he because it seemed like the book was like, yeah, it's better that he's handsome. And I was like, oh, I wish he were learning like a lesson to love himself. And it was like, oh, my God, he is. He is. The whole time he was learning a lesson. It was great. But so, so yeah, the movie sucks. I'll stop hogging the conversation. But my last thing and the reason I got like really excited. The actress who plays the childlike empress. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for this? Okay. No, but she grows up. Well, now she's only a producer. She doesn't act anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. 
in her either teens or young adult years, she is in an episode of Buffy playing what Sheila Martini, the bad girl that Buffy has to plan parent teacher night with in Spike's first episode. Wait a second. Hold on. What, what's the episode name? School Hard. Oh, School Hard. Okay, hold on. School Hard. She has to plan it. Let me see. She's the like actual bad kid at school. Let me see. Oh, that's her? Mm-hmm. She plays the childlike emperor in the never-ending story part two. I liked, I wanted her and Buffy to become friends. <laughs> but she dies. She dies, unfortunately. Um, wow. Yeah, now she did not know producer. that was her. But yeah, um, so that was crazy when I looked that up. Yeah. But anyway, the Never Ending Story 2 sucks. Don't bother. It's only available for rent. Don't pay for it. Um, Falcor looks janky as fuck. I'm going to tell you something. It's so I looked stupid. it up. There it's is a Never Ending so Story cheap. 3. Which is not based on the book and is written by the same woman who wrote Never Ending Story 2. And it looks so fucking stupid. Uh, uh, Never Ending Story 3, first of all, the poster for it is mm-hmm. really scary. Um, <laughs> and does it say something very funny and specific about the main child actor? Yes, uh, from the actor. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to, I have to <laughs> zoom in here. It's, it's very specific. Well, so there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot happening here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna in- enhance, zoom in, enhance here for a sec because it's okay. a very funny. Like, please watch this movie. Okay, so first for of this all, actor. it's Jason James Richter, the star of Free Willy. <laughs> the Never Ending Story 3, Return to Fantasia. It's a brand new beginning in the adventure that never ends. And then I'm sorry, but Falcor looks like absolute dog Garbage. shit. He Completely. looks... Why is he all yellow? I don't know. <laughs> and then who's the man below? Who's this man? And he, like... In this version, the bullies get a hold of the book. No, really? And 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 I think Bastion has to, or it says maybe it's Wait, not Bastion. He, this kid is a Bastion? young boy must restore order when a group of bullies steal the magical book that acts as a portal between Earth and the imaginary He's, world of Fantasia. Whoa, hold on. Wait, pause. Hold. Oh, he does play on. Bastion. He plays Bastion. Do you know who plays the school bully slip? <gasps> I just saw. <laughs> Maybe we have to watch this because I am. I do absolutely. Are these for our minisodes this month? Oh my god! Yes, yes, yes. Because truly, we will watch these for you. Because truly, oh I I am a huge Jack Black simp. I love him. I think <laughs> I he's so Jack fucking Black. funny. He's great. Uh, he's great. Um, I. It's one of his first roles as the school bully slip. Wow. Okay. Incredible. Incredible. Stunning. I'm weeping. Oh my God. <laughs> also, okay, I'm sorry. But wow. the, the main villain is called the nasty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean we have to watch oh, it. Right? Urgle and Angie will come back. That's nice. Oh, I that's like nice. That. That's nice. Okay. Woof. Oh my God! No, Lindsay! No. Oh no! What? They come to America. They come to Earth. Oh dear. Oh. 
Oh, Falcor saves Junior from falling to his death near Mount Rushmore. And oh the gnomes my. arrive in Gnome, Alaska. Mm. Really unfortunate. Unfortunate. <laughs> Very truly unfortunate on this day. Um, there is a never ending story. Get this for. No, 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 no. <laughs> I believe it is only German. I mean, we have to watch it. It is called Tales from the Never Ending Story. Come on. Oh, no, it was a TV show. Oh, my God. The Never Ending Story film series. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Never Ending Story 3. And then, hold on, where are you seeing? Oh, Tales from the Never Ending Story. Mm-hmm. One season only TV series. Oh, Canadian. Aha. Uh-huh. Aired in H- on HBO. <gasps> Is this on HBO Max? That would be crazy. Yes, yeah, so we've got. Wait, so it's. It departs from canon. Uh, yeah, because there's nothing left. Right. They occur out of order, the events. Um, Atreyu enters our world. I love Atreyu. I was so in I love had with Atreyu a huge as a child. crush oh my on Atreyu. Gosh. I was like, Atreyu's no boy best. will compare. There was I was nothing- so excited when Bastion gets, when Bastion enters Fantastica. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's made friends with that. Cool ass lion, yeah. desert fire lion. Love that lion. Sad and he's lion like, too. hmm. I know what I wish for. I want to be friends with a Treyu. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, you do. Because I want to be friends yeah. with a Treyu. Go find a Treyu. I'm gonna tell I was you. So something. happy when a Treyu came back. When I was a child, I think I had my sexual awakening to a Treyu <laughs> because seeing that fucking. Orin, what is it? Orin. Yeah, seeing on the his Orin. bare chest. Bouncing around on that bare chest <laughs> in his fucking Aladdin vest. I was like, ooh, look at his hair. It's fluffy. I just, and also he could ride a horse. Like, I was ready. I was he's like. He's a badass. And he's like stoic and brave and yeah. smart and cool. Yeah, yeah, Because he's, he's everything that Bastion wants to be. Yeah. Which is why it has to be Atreyu who has the quest. I really loved that the thing that Bastion this is and this is also I feel like an, a fun commentary on like just how little someone needs in order to project themselves onto a main character. Mm-hmm. When Bastion's reading about Atreyu and he's like, "Hmm, Atreyu's parents died and he's been okay. raised by everybody in the camp and everyone loves him and that's why his name is Atreyu because it means um, all of ours. And, you know, that's like me where my mom died and I have nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, none of anyone's. And so have, we are the same. So and we're I was the like, same. Bastion. <laughs> Bastion truly like, and I know that this he is conscious. the saddest boy in He's the world. He's so sad. The fa- okay, the moment where he, okay, okay, oh my God, when he's like reading about Atreyu, like writing Artax, and he's like, wow, I feel inspired. So then he went and like makes a fake horse out of like blankets and shit and like sits on it, and he's like, yeah. And then he's like, oh man, that was really embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, we're all fucking Bastion, dude. It, uh, I get it. We are Bastion. And that's the I whole point. Do- I do love that they do change Carl Conrad Coriander's uh, name from a K to a C just because it's better. Yes, smart. Uh, 
just smart, smart. Just like let's not. I get it because he's like BBB and it's like a thing, but no, right? But it's much better to be like. But we can, we can't, we can't, especially right German. Oh God, oh God, we can't. Terrible combo. We can't. I'm so sorry, Um, but not exactly your fault because as we learned, like. People in other countries are like not that aware of it, as we learned in that uh, Sherlock Holmes story, the the five pips or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh wait, yes. No. Oh wait, it did involve it the KKK. See, oh, it was always a C. Oh no, because I'm reading a. Okay, so I'm reading the wiki entry for Tales from the Neverending Story. Um, they made it a K. They made it a K. It's a C in the fucking book. <laughs> no one asked for this, guys. No one ever asks for the KKK. No, especially not in 2003. We do or not two. need. Where can you watch this? Can you watch this on a HBO Max? Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah, there's. No one asked for that. No. Um. I, I also loved because, like, clearly this was, like, everything was very intentional in this book. I, when Bastion was, like, at his height of, like, being a complete Mary Sue, I was cracking up because <laughs> he was, because we did have Atreyu react. So when Atreyu's like, damn, like, how did you, like, meet that lion? Because, like, everybody that touches that lion dies. And, like, how did you get here? And he's like, <laughs> I'm very brave and wise and strong. And also, I have Oren, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> he's like, mm, now we've hit on the answer." I yes, thought that was great. It's it, it's a real commentary on that mm-hmm. that apparently mm-hmm. no one learned from. Nope, because it it he gets there. He's a total Mary Sue. He's the best at everything ever, and he has to learn to let that go. Well, and he learns it's that looking like, great. He also learns that, like, nobody can handle being the best at everything ever as he – because he has all this power, right? Mm -hmm. And then so the thing that he does with the fucking, like, ugly things, those, like, little That was so funny. I love Bastion's a good kid, though, because he's, like – he creates these things. So unlike the show or the movie where he creates this dragon Mm -hmm. that starts – that he does make up in the book, Smurg. Oh, yes, Smurg. Oh, I liked that little story. I did too. And he, I thought, mm. so I took a photo of this part of the book because I thought it was so great because I had that thought when I was reading it. So this book at every turn where I was like, "Mm, that's kind of a weird choice. The book was then like, yeah, bitch, that was a weird choice on purpose. And now I'm commenting on it being a weird choice. And I was like, Michael Endy, you are... I shouldn't have questioned you. You know more than me, and you're smart. Fucking and genius, been doing this dude! Genius. Every single time I was like mm, Mary Sue, it was like a tray. You knows. I was yeah. like, oh. And every time I was like mm, fat shamey, it was like, no, you were the fat shamer. I'm like, mm, yeah. Lesson. I see it now. Man in the mirror. <laughs> I see it. I see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I really. So, so what happens in the movie is he goes to the silver city um amaranth is amaranth even in the book that doesn't sound familiar yeah wait yes it is it is it is yes it's the silver city um there's maru the lake of tears that's acid yes 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 and 
And he goes there because he he comes across these knights. It's when he's like, I want to be friends with Atreyu. And then he comes across these knights and these knights are like, cool, so great to meet you. We're headed towards the city of Amaranth because there's this big tournament taking place. Atreyu is looking for the like strong or maybe like three strongest fighters to go and search out our the savior of Fantastica. Um, his his name is Bastion. I don't know if you've heard of him. And Bastion's like, <laughs> no, I haven't. And he's hiding <laughs> he his identity. He sounds really cool. <laughs> like, he sounds awesome. And and the main one, Hero Heinrich. Oh, Hero Heinrich. A poor Heinrich. <laughs> I he's love like, Heinrich. They're there with um a woman, Lady Org... Org... Oglamar. Lady Oglamar. Hero Heinrich mm-hmm. is in love with Lady Oglamar, but she's like, I will only be with the one who is the absolute best at everything. So his plan, he's been working his entire life to become the best fighter at everything. And they go to this competition and Bastion is such a bitchy little Mary Sue about it. Yes. He absolutely destroys Hero Heinrich in this competition to like prove that he's the best. He does it without even trying because he's like, this is, he's making all of this up. Because he's, and also he has the, um, ah, uh, the part where he, okay, because he has Orin and Orin basically makes him invincible. The part where he's like, fine, you want to prove that you're the strongest? Let's swim in the lake of Maru. I was like, I want to fucking so bully mean. you. <laughs> you are being such a little shit right now, Bastion. Yeah. And he's like, fine, let's do this. Fine, let's do that. And your Heinrich keeps going, that's suicide. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And so finally, Bastion's like, okay, I guess we'll just do this. And then he has this like magic fucking sword that does all of the moves for him. And mm-hmm. it like cuts all of Hero Heinrich's clothes off of him and totally humiliates him. And even Bastion afterward is like, I did not mean to like humiliate him. I just wanted to defeat him. So things do get out of hand. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he's like, I wish for Smurg the dragon. And then the what? dragon like totally like messes up the city. And he's like, whoops, I can't control my wishes. Whereas it's so no. much more nuanced in the book because what happens is he like feels really bad for hero Heinrich because now he can't have Lady Olgamar because he wasn't the best. And so Bastion tells him the story. He's like, well, you are in luck <laughs> because <laughs> Lady Olgamar was just kidnapped by the most fearsome dragon and he invents Smurg, the craziest fucking dragon you've ever fucking heard of. It's bananas he's got like two heads living in his eyes <laughs> and oh, he's yeah. like cut off the head and only this one axe can do it he sets up the most insane obstacle so that he will prove he's the best and lady olkamar will fall in love with him and hero heinrich's like hooray i get to go prove myself and then the dragon appears and, and kidnaps lady olkamar and bastion watches them go and after the fact he's like hmm was that a bit much Perhaps, um, maybe that was a yes. bit much. <laughs> also, I loved too that Atreyu. So, so also, I was like, "Damn, that was like shitty to Lady Olgamar to make her be yes. captured." So that, and then Atreyu was like, "Um, that was kind of unfair because like Lady Olgamar didn't do anything to you, and 
And then Bastion asks this of himself. Oh, right. And then he's like, "Mm, I don't like thinking about the fact that like that was shitty to her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this book. Yeah. Yeah. So it says uh, that's the part I took a picture of. And it says, and now Bastion was asking himself, had it really been such a good idea to invent a dragon for hero Heinrich? True, Heinrich had needed a chance to show his mettle, but it was certain. But was it certain that he would win? What if Smurg killed him? And what about Princess Oglemar? Yes, of course she had been haughty, but that was. But was that a reason for getting her into such a fix? And on top of all that, how was he to know what further damage Smurg might do in Fantastica? Without stopping to think, Bastion had created an unpredictable menace. It would be there long after he was gone, and quite possibly kill or maim any number of innocents. As he knew, Moonchild drew no distinction between good and evil, beautiful and ugly. To her mind, all the creatures in Fantastica were equally important and worthy of consideration. But had he, Bastion, the right to take the same attitude? And above all, did he wish to? No, Bastion said to himself. He had no wish to go down that way. Or down yeah. and then blah, 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 and then I cut it off. Um, I was like, ah, that those were all of my concerns. Yeah. Those were all Same. of the concerns Same. I had about that. I was like, wow, sucks for Princess Olgamar. Yeah. And Same. Bastion asks it of himself. He is he truly does learn it like every step. And you totally understand why he makes the choices that he does. Oh, and then you were gonna talk about the ugly creatures. Oh yeah. So um he so so he starts telling this story of um because they're like, well, what he he's like, oh, what can I do that like no one else can do? Well, I can tell stories because the whole thing about Fantastica is that like nobody they can't talk about things that aren't real. They can't create stories. They can only do what they know. Like uh-huh. that's the whole difference between like humans and Fantasticans. Oh, and, and this is all in response to him being a Mary Sue and like seeing it in Atreyu's eyes that he's like, well, I don't respect you that much because you had this thing. Beauty yeah. of power. And Bastion, to his credit, is like, well, I want to legitimately earn Atreyu's respect. Mm-hmm. And so then he does, he he uses a talent that he's had without Orin, which is his storytelling ability, his imagination, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, your uh your kingdom uh originated like this. It was there were these like really fucking ugly, like what were they called? I don't remember. Like schmoobly pies or something. <laughs> and they're they're so fucking ugly and they, they're the ugliest creatures in the world. And so they're really sad. They cry all the time. So then when they cried all the time, their tears made Lake Maru. And Lake Maru is this lake that's that is like outside of the town of the village, and it's so salty that it will corrode anything that's in there except for silver. And he's like, also, there's this library, um, and like this is how your village was made. And the village elder is like, oh my gosh, we were wondering what was in this building, but it's been locked up forever. And so he, they knock down the door, and inside is the library with all of his stories. And they're like, thank you for giving us our history. And they're then called like, Akaris, oh. by the way. They're called what? Or Akaris or Acharis. Okay, Akaris. Yeah, um, and uh, and uh, uh, Atreus like, okay, that's actually a talent. Good job. I I respect that. And he also, this is the second half of the book. We're basically covering everything that happens after 
Bastion basically comes into Fantastica yeah, and is after like, your name names, is Moonchild. Um, yeah, after he names the child like Empress. And in the movie, isn't it implied that it's his mother's name? What? It's like I don't he's recall. Give I don't the child like Empress his mother's name, but like that's not at all what's happening here. It's just that Bastion's a good storyteller, and he sees her, and he's inspired to name her Moonchild, which makes way more sense. Yeah, when it also is like he sees her, and he's like, "That's her name. I know it." Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like the idea of storytelling, right? Like when you think of these characters, you're like, "Well, this is what they would do because I know them." Yeah, because they're you know? your and, characters. Yeah, so. Really beautiful. But so this is all like when he comes back uh, into Fantastica and he's like trying to, uh, what is he doing there? He Oh, he's trying to find the, the moon, uh, trying to find Moonchild. Well, not really. He just wants to be in Fantastica. And then it, at a certain point, Atreyu is like, so like you want to go home though, right? <laughs> you have to someday because, because like you can't stay here. Yeah, because Atreyu is... A fucking smarty. He's and he smart. catches on He's very quickly cool. that every story he tells, he loses a memory of his life. And he's like, mm, maybe you should go home. And he also, and Falcor keep like, like side-eyeing each other and like trying to help Bastion out. And Bastion's like, what the fuck are you planning all the time? Dude, I fucking loved the like fucking the office like reactions by Falcor yes. and Atreyu for like when Bastion starts getting like completely unhinged and like kind of power hungry because he's being poisoned by Zaid, but also he's also being poisoned by his own. Un- yeah, like it's already power. started. He he refuses to take Atreyu and Falcor's advice. He yeah. doesn't believe that they have his best interest at heart. He but feels he like he's like being s- patronized. He still keeps like doing all these like really unhinged power hungry things. And then like Falcor and Atreyu like kind of look at each other and they're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very okay. funny. Um, but oh, so 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 all of this is happening when he comes back. So he wants to find Atreyu and be friends with him. And this is why he's in this town. Um, and so he tells this story about these Akari, and then they're like, Let's go on an adventure. And then he comes across the Akari and he's like, holy fuck, they're so fucking ugly. I don't even want to look at them. And they're well, like, and they're so sad. He's like, oh my God, what have I done? I never thought about how awful it must be to be a creature who finds themselves so ugly that they cry all the time. Enough like, to make he a light. turns on a light and they're like, please turn off that light. Because we are horrified by one another. We cannot be seen. And Bastion's like, I'm so sorry. I did this to you. And it's also like, right, like a commentary on empathy of like people are whole people, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's because him being like, oh, yeah, it's these Akari. And then he meets them and he's like, oh, <gasps> what have I done? Yeah, it's like and- I told a story about them for the Amaranthians or um, yeah. Mm-hmm. not thinking about the fact that I was then creating them. Well, because, right, like, it's the idea and kind of what we were talking about before with the power of storytelling where, like, w- the story that you tell becomes truth and truth is existence, right? Like, mm-hmm. once someone is gone, the story that you tell about them is all that remains. So you are basically creating what they were, regardless of who they really were. Um. Because you say that this was the case, they always have been and always will be. Always will unless be. Unless they die. 
Exactly. In a story you tell. <laughs> in a story you tell. And so he's like, he's like, oh my God, how could I? Also, you are extremely ugly. I do agree. Um, <laughs> and then he, so what is he, what's the he, new name? It's like the Schlamoofs. <laughs> oh, right. He truly, like, some of the names are fun. Like he names his sword Sikander. Um, That's cool. Um, I loved Yika. Oh my god! I wanted to talk oh about Yika. I love oh Yika. Oh my god, Yika! And then when he was like, okay, I gotta say, and Michael Andy like, is very good at creating very empathetic horse characters. Yes, yes. But so, um, so some of the names I really enjoyed, and then some of the names were Schlamoofs. Right. So these Schlamoofs, he's they like, can't all be a Sikander. No, no. Instead, he's like, you're not. He's he, like, tomorrow, you guys are going to fall asleep. He creates these and fucking clown butterflies. They're so scary seeming to me. They they're, seem like, I need to find a reference because I was getting a very clear visual of like. They are extra. What they're are like the, the silly, he's like, you'll wake up and you're going to be these, these joyful butterflies and all you'll do is laugh, laugh, laugh. And so once again, Bastion is not thinking about the consequences of what that, like, what kind of creatures do they have to be if they are creatures who laugh all the time? So he like, he thinks something up, but then all the details fill themselves in. It's like, well, if that, then what? Yeah. Yeah. So then they're like nonstop laughing clown butterflies. And they and are they won't, nightmares to be around. They won't listen to him. They're like knocking over this tower that they were making they before when they were keep sad. A thought in their head. Yeah, they're just full of destruction. And in the moment, he's just like, "We gotta go." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Okay, we'll have fun." Yeah, he's like, "You guys are awful." I'm don't know what I did, but whatever. Leaves them. Um, and honestly, like I, I, this book was so. Ugh, it was so good because the entire time that Bastion is like in his hubris zone, I was like, oh, I can't wait for him to get his comeuppance. And then when it <laughs> happened, I was like, oh, my God, like the stuff with the dad and like the like. Ugh, it's also so good. I, I this book made me cry, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was going to get serious when he was like in the area where like all the other humans that used up all their wishes went. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh -oh. this fucking village of other humans who have come to Fantastica. And it's like everybody's wish or certain humans who go there, their wish becomes to be the new childlike empress or emperor. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's what happens. And they, and that's kind of what his is, almost. Because he takes well, over the tower. Fucking Zaid convinces him to do that. And he's yeah. like, isn't that your ultimate wish? And he's like, yeah, I guess that is my ultimate wish. Yeah. But the trick of all this is that as soon as you attain your ultimate wish, you forget who you are entirely. You forget mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And so all these previous humans who had come there and done that are now just wandering around babbling doing tasks that make no sense they're wearing just random items as clothes yeah it's like fucking bananas and there's this monkey there who's this caretaker and he's like oh hey you're gonna end up here one day bash is like, like what? Huh? What? 
Um, but uh, oh, we talked briefly about the lion. Let's talk a little bit about because I loved this beginning part. So I at do. so way, the way he first originally comes to so the, where the story kind of goes away from like ends the movie version of the first movie and like kind of goes into the rest of this book is that Bastion uh the the so rather than like they're like we're waiting for we're waiting for you we're waiting for you and then finally you're going to come they're like we're waiting for you we're waiting for you we're waiting for you Bastion like you need to save Fantastica like come into the book and he's like I thought there's a really cool difference I loved this because he's like, I don't know. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? Like, what if they don't like me? And so then she's like, don't make me do this. So she's like, fucking fine. I will walk by fucking foot to the old man who I'm never supposed to fucking meet. And then maybe you'll come then. And so she walks through the snow, destroys her outfit, hurts her feet (laughs) to go and sit in this egg. And she gets in the egg and she's like, oh, finally, I met you. Old man, you're the one who writes the history. Like you're writing the never ending story as it's happening. And he's like, why are you here? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) And he's like, well, now that you're here, you can't open the egg. And she's like, fuck. And he's like, the only person that can open the egg that we're sitting in, because now we're trapped for fucking ever, is a human. And then finally, like, Bastion's like, oh, I should help. Well, it's it's really cool because she's like, he's like, well, now this is the fucking end of the story. And she's mm-hmm. like, I, I forget. He's like, and now I have to tell it again. She's like, yes, start at the beginning. He's like, if I start at the beginning, this is always going to be the end. And I will be yeah. writing the story forever because you just told me to start at the beginning. That is now what's going to happen every time we reach this point. We get bitch. here. And she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, why? And she's like, don't worry about it. I'm the childlike empress. I'm very smart. Mm-hmm. So Bastion is like, huh, I guess we're going to the beginning of the book. But he goes to the beginning of this book, of which starts of with the never Bastion story. stealing the book. And Bastion's like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it he, but he continually refuses to enter the story, and so the book just is the book over and yeah. over and over again. So imagine if instead of, or it's like so it does end the same as the movie, except it skips this part. Where imagine if Bastion was in that attic for an untold number of hours. Yeah, reading and it just happens over and over and over, over and over again. And finally, he like loses it. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Okay, I, I guess I gotta go in there." Yeah. Uh, he go he he breaks the egg, and then there's nothing. He doesn't see anything, and he's like, "What? What is this?" But he's very and happy. He's like the mo- the happiest he's ever he been. Feels it feels full right. of joy. Mm-hmm. And then he hears the childlike empress's voice, and she's like, "Yeah, there's nothing because it's the beginning. Like you have to." create it you have to write the rest of the book now and he's like oh so then he describes this the what is the forest well the- first she says why didn't you want to come and he's like because i'm not impressive oh, right, oh, right. and i didn't want you to see the real me and she's like what are you talking about and he looks into her eyes and he sees this like devastatingly handsome jacked asian kid like as they say in the book, Oriental Prince, yeah. unfortunately. unfortunately. 1979, West Germany, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you So he do? sees this Asian prince 
And, and he's like, okay. He's like, wow, what a beautiful boy. <laughs> and yeah, then he's like, and then he like comes damn, okay. to, and he just is that boy. Yeah. So then he describes, and he and he's like, I wish I was wise and strong and brave. And he just feels that he is all of a sudden. And he doesn't really realize that like certain things are kind of slipping away about his old life. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess that he well, does. Well, wishes come in waves. The first thing he wishes is the handsome thing. And then he yeah. wishes to be strong. And so he then has to do all of these things that will result in strength. And I thought yeah. that was really cool too, because it's not like I wish to be strong. Boom, I'm strong. Yeah. It's, and well, that's also, the difference between wishes and stories is all of his wishes, he has to go through the quest to become that. Whereas yeah. with the stories, he tells it and it exists right away. Yeah. And I loved that the thing that he forgets when he becomes strong is what it feels like to be weak. Like he's like, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember looking any other way. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, that's a commentary on like, just always remember who you are and where you came from because you mm-hmm. are that kid. You were always that kid. You are that kid now, um, which I really liked. So then he, so he starts describing this uh, forest. And I loved the idea of the forest representing nighttime and that desert being daytime and that each thing has to die so that the other can live. And it's just this cycle. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's this big, lush, beautiful forest that springs up out of the ground and it's the lo- it feels like the longest night and he sleeps inside of a fucking blossom, which like dream. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up and it starts crumbling and he's like, uh-oh, but it crumbles into this rainbow desert, mm-hmm. which is cool as hell. Yeah, and he names it... Um... He names it the Desert of Colors, which is really cool. He meets this um, this lion who has never been able to talk to anybody else because if they do, they were to burst into flames and die. Mm-hmm. But he's protected by Orin. So Orin, and so his name, he, the lion's name is Grogramon. I loved Grogramon. Me too. I loved Grogramon, and he doesn't like know his purpose, and he wants to know his purpose. And then Bastion tells him his purpose, which is that he has to die so that. The forest can grow, and then the forest dies for him. And he's like, "So I both give life, and I, and I take, and it. I take it. And the other can't exist without me." Thank you for telling me my purpose. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know. And so I much just of this loved... book, I'm like, oh. <laughs> also, I loved too that like, so when he dies, he like turns into a, a, a like a onyx stone, and um. In between his, uh, so when he died for the first time, um, Bastion like didn't know that he was gonna come back, so he was really sad. So he slept in his in between his paws. Yeah. And then when the lion woke up the next day, he's like, "Oh, did you? Were you sleeping there the whole time?" And he's like, "Yeah." And the lion's like, "Oh, like I never had that before." Like it was just I was yeah, like, and oh. he's like, "I've like, never oh, had someone no mourn my death." Yes, exactly. Ugh. And I thought that was so. This book is just very poignant and touching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you really feel for all of the characters. And there are 12 million characters. So the fact that you feel for all of them is extremely impressive. Honestly, and this is going to sound crazy because I love the movie so, so, so much. Mm -hmm. But I think I liked the second half of the book better than the first half. It's just really meaningful. Yeah. I just think that it's it's such a complete piece, the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. 
It makes like, so much sense that they only made a movie of the first half. Yes. So much sense. Because it is a perfectly, like, encapsulated story. And it also, yeah. And, and then it, the second half like is, a, like, every story, it, it's, like, just the story of the human cycle of existence. It's Siddhartha. The yeah. rest of the book is Siddhartha, yeah, Siddhartha. for little boys. <laughs> well, and I understand, I understand, too, like, why they broke it into, because, just because the moment from him naming Moonchild to this other entire it does seem like two stories it really is two stories um which is fine it's done really really well but yeah i love i love the movie and mm-hmm. i still loved everything that wasn't in the movie mhm well because like i think the movie did a really great job of capturing like the wonder and beauty and sadness of storytelling and of childhood and 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 the very unique like you feel every child feels alone and wants to be a part of something more which i get that from the movie but like the book touches on just this this deeper sadness and 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 beauty that i didn't know was originally part of the story it's like the first half is the nature of storytelling Mm-hmm. And then the second half is why we need stories to live. It's like that Joan yeah. Didion story. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. Yeah. Like stories are the framework that give us, like are, are, are fr- our framework for life. Yeah. It's like right? how like, we without teach it, ourselves to be human. Right. Because without it, I think it would just be, you, you can't understand it. So I, I really loved it. I loved so let's let's talk about about the end of, of the book. Real quick, let's talk about Yika. <gasps> Yika! Let's talk about Yika first. Yeah. Or yeah, pos- yeah. Possibly Yika. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Loved Yika. MVP. I loved Yika. And who? Yika was amazing. I just said MVP. Oh yes, MVP for sure. So when he, MVP. he comes across Princess Olgamar and Hero Heinrich and the other H named knights. Mm-hmm. Do not remember. I am like my apologies to those men. There is they give him a mule to ride to the tournament. And as soon as he gets on the mule, the mule like isn't keeping up with the group. And he's like, hello, little mule. Come on, let's go. And she's like, I'm doing this on purpose. I wanted to have a just like quick sidebar. I know that you're Bastion. (laughs) And he's like, how could you know? (laughs) And she's like, because I'm only half an ass. I loved that. That was very I thought that was so funny. And she's like, even the horses had an inkling. Yeah. And she's she's like, like, so I I know that it's you. And it's just like a real honor. (laughs) She's like, don't worry. I'll keep your secret. And he's like, okay. And they just become like these wonderful friends. And honestly, like Yika is such a beautiful metaphor for like the friend that is supporting somebody. And then when that person makes it big, they forget about who carried them. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> and it's Saeed's fault. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. Fuck Saeed. Yeah. Because she convinces him. And it's so funny because it's like he does these things that Zaid suggests and he doesn't even want to. It yeah, makes him like, okay. so sad to get rid of Yika because so after it's revealed that he's Bastion and the whole city goes fucking nuts for him and everybody's just like so excited and then Atreyu is like so our new mission is to get you home right and Bastion's like uh-huh sure 
Yep. And so they start like wandering around in circles and he goes, or first he goes back and he's like, Yika is my horse. Yika is my steed. And Yika's like, what? But I am but a mule. He's like, yeah, you're the best mule. <laughs> I also love that said. when Sa- when Saeed like tries to get in his head at first. And she's like, wow, everyone thinks that, like, you have a dumpy fucking horse. Like, yeah. everyone, like, they're like, oh, the she's hero, really? bitch. She's like, wow, the hero rides this, like, piece of shit potato sack. Like, really? And he's like, I don't want to get rid of Yika. And she's like, mm-hmm, just keep it in your heart and mind and, like, let it marinate. She's like, yeah, and I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying what people are saying. <laughs> and she's like, I mean, you know best. It's like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And Yika is so smart because it's Yika who tells him, like, you don't want to go home. We're going around in circles because what you really wanted was to see the childlike empress again. You wanted to see Moonchild again. And when you had that at the forefront of your mind, we were getting there. But as soon as you tried to fit in with what Atreyu was telling you your wish was, we're getting lost. And he's like, you're so smart. And she's like, thank you. I don't think so because I'm just like a stupid, worthless mule. But I appreciate (laughs) the support. (laughs) Um, and I also, and this, I, I think this was a good example of Bastion using something, not a weakness per se, but something that like, that Yika had admitted to him against, like to, to create this wish for her to she get said rid of she's, her. She's sad that she isn't able to have children as a mule. Yes. And she had said it in a way where she was like, Oh, I um, I wish I could tell my children about you, but like I can't because I'm a mule and mules oh, can't yeah. reproduce. And so he remembers that, and then when he's trying to get rid of her, he's like, "Um, I have a story for you. Your love, who is a beautiful white unicorn, is in this grove. You need to go be with him, and he's going to be the father of your children, and you're going to have tons. And if and you she's don't like, go, he's going to fucking die of a broken heart." <laughs> And so she's like, okay, well, I don't really want to leave, yes. but like, it was so I also don't want my love to saying, die. Like, I'm not really as young as I used to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the other thing is that like he, so in this moment, right, he's doing to her what Saeed's doing to him where she's like, or he's like, that's what you want, right? Like, so go do that thing that you want. And she's like, I guess like I made some it's offhanded comment so about it but sad. it was like why are you trying to get rid of me and he's like i'm just giving you what you want but because it's it's for a selfish reason yeah and then she's like okay and she goes and she has kids and she's really happy and he's like oh i wish i didn't do that i yeah. miss yika and i was like yeah me too bitch bring her back yika was i want the- no part of the story now that yika's yeah. gone <laughs> I loved Yika and you I loved sent her Yika. away from me. I loved Yika. Um, so that was wonderful Yika content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I, the, okay. So yes, the, the, I think the thing truly the ending is what I think makes all of this story matter. Absolutely. Which I was hoping it was leading to that because like, and that's the other thing. Like, I did. I trusted the book. Th- truly, everything that Michael Endy does, and I'm so sorry if we are saying his last name wrong, where he'll like dangle this little thing and I'll be like, oh, man, I really hope that pays off. And then it did. Every A thousand single time. percent. Yes. So like he dangled this thing about how like 
uh, basically Bastion's mom died and he just doesn't feel any connection with his dad. And his dad- His dad shut down. Like doesn't talk to him. He just fully is in his work and he doesn't talk to his dad. Like they just don't know how to talk to each other anymore. So they just coexist. And so he feels very alone because the kids at school are mean. He can't talk to his dad. Um, and all he has are books. So that's like the thing that we're knowing throughout this under that's underlying everything that happens in this story. Yeah. So the whole time I was like, man, I hope, I hope, I hope, right? Because like towards the end of the book, they're like, all you need, you know, the, the most beautiful thing in the world is the ability to love, the ability to love. I was like, fuck, I hope it's with the dad. I hope it's with the dad. And it is. And the way that it does it is so, <laughs> oh my God. Well, with I the love, ice cube. So I loved all of all the stages of his wishes make so much sense. And all of it are building blocks that you have to have to be a well-rounded, good person. And one of the stages is he's like, I really miss Atreyu and Falcor. I wish I was a part of a community. And he meets this... Um, small town and they're just like totally of one mind but then they lose one of their one of the villagers at sea and he's like oh my god it's so sad that they're gone now and they're like who's gone we're all here and he's like oh they're so of one mind that they don't even recognize the individual and he's like well i don't want that i want to be loved for me yeah and then he meets like the most nurturing mother character ever written. Oh my God. Where she is just, she's a plant and she grows fruit and she just gives it all to Bastion and he just eats and eats and eats and eats and she just cares for him like a little baby. They're doing like baby role play. They are. It's it's at a point where I'm like, let's maybe I was like so much. <laughs> I was like, let's calm down a little bit. Michael Endy, I think your kink is showing, but it's fine. <laughs> but it's fine. It serves a purpose. And so then Bastion gets his fill of that and he's like, well, I don't want to be treated. I don't, I don't need to be like this nurtured anymore. Like I'm growing up a little bit. And that sort yeah. of like speaks to how he can like move on from needing his mom so much. Yeah. And then he realizes he's like, oh, I don't want to just. Uh, am I stepping on you about to say this? No, no, because no, Because no. his realization no, that like that she's like. You won't be able to leave until you realize what your ultimate wish is. And he's like, well, I don't know that. And she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, well, how will I know? And, and she, what is it? And she's like, I don't know what it is. I just know that when you say it, I'll know it. And he's like, hmm, okay. I love when he, every time that he's like, oh, I don't, I don't remember or something. And she'd be like, that's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not good. I'm not going to lie. And he's like, hmm. She's like, yeah, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, do you remember your mother and father? And he's like, I recognize the words, but no. And she's, like, and she's like, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> she keeps saying that's bad, which I was cracking up. So and he's like, it is. And she's like, yeah, no. yeah, that's not good. <laughs> um, And he's. Uh, all right. So I'm going to read kind of a lot because this. This moment in the book is so beautiful. And so beautiful. <laughs> um, he's trying to find his way. He knows that he has to find his way to the water of life. Oh, yes. And he says, how am I to find the way there? Asked Bastion. Isn't it too late? There's only one wish that can take you there. Your last. Bastion was terrified. 
Damiola, all the wishes that have come true thanks to Oren have made me forget <laughs> something. Will it be the same with this one? She nodded slowly. But if I don't notice it, did you notice the other times? Once you've forgotten something, you don't know you ever had it. What am I forgetting now? I'll tell you at the proper time. If I told you now, you'd hold on to it. Must I lose everything? Nothing is lost, she said. Everything is transformed. But then, said Bastion in alarm, I ought to hurry. I shouldn't be staying here. She stroked his hair. Don't worry. It will take time, but when your last wish is awakened, you'll know it, and so will I. From that day on, something began indeed to change, though Bastion himself noticed nothing at first. The transforming power of the house of change was taking effect. But like all true transformations, it was as slow and gentle as the growth of a plant. And I was like, that's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> the days in the house of change passed, and it was still summer. Bastion still enjoyed letting Dame Eola spoil him like a child. Her fruit still tasted as delicious to him as at the start, but little by little his craving had been stilled. He ate less than before. Dame Eola noticed, though she never mentioned it. He also felt that he had had his fill of her care and tenderness, and his need for them dwindled. A longing of a very different kind made itself felt, a desire that he had never felt before and that was very different, and that was different in every way from all his previous wishes. The longing to be capable of loving. With surprise and dismay, he recognized that he could not love, and the wish became stronger and stronger. And I'm like, that's so good. So good. The longing to be capable of loving. He's been so self-centered up to this point, but now he's been so the center of somebody's attention for so long that slowly but surely, he has the wish to be able to give that to somebody else. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he goes to the, he goes to another, he comes across this other guy on his way to try to find the water of life. And it's this man who mines dreams, forgotten dreams that make it down from human beings. And then this was another part where I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Let me see if I took a... No, I didn't. For some reason, I guess I was just so wrapped up in the book that I stopped <laughs> taking photos of pages. Um, So he, he like, very sadly leaves her. Um, So Bastion finds this, um, this miner, the guy who's mining the dreams... And he's like, please shut up. We have to be silent because if you talk, you could destroy the pictures of these dreams. They're very delicate. And so then Bastion basically lives like a monk with this man. Like mm -hmm. nothing is comfortable. The food is too salty. Nothing really tastes good. And he just like very dutifully is mining because he knows he's going to come across a picture that will reveal to him how to get to the water of life. And I read this, and this is when I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> how long this painful work went on is hard to say, for such labor cannot be measured in days and months. Be that as it may, one evening he brought to the surface a picture. It moved him so deeply the moment he looked at it that he needed all his self-control to keep from letting out a cry of surprise that would have crumbled the picture to dust. On the fragile sheet of icing glass, it was not very large, about the size of a usual book page. He 
He saw a man wearing a white smock and holding a plaster cast in one hand. His posture and the troubled look on his face touched Bastion to the heart. But what stirred him the most was that the man was shut up in a transparent but impenetrable block of ice. While Bastion looked at the picture that lay before him in the snow, and then, of course, we the reader. I know. know we know. We know. It's his dad. Because he's encased in ice ever since his wife died. And we know because he's doing, he's like holding he's shutting everyone out. Yeah. And because he's he's a doctor. He's a he he's a, a dental technician, uh, so he's always uh, doing like teeth castings. So he's like holding a teeth casting. So I was like, "It's the dentist, Dad! It's the dad, everyone!" <laughs> but what stirred him the most was that the man was shut up in a transparent but impenetrable block of ice, and he doesn't even know it's his dad. But he, no. he and he's like, "I need to thaw him out," so he hugs it. He says, while Bastion looked at the picture that lay before him in the snow, a longing grew in him for this man whom he did not know, a surge of feeling that seemed to come from far away. Like a tidal wave, almost imperceptible at first, it gradually built up strength till it submerged everything in its path. Bastion struggled for air. His heart pounded. It was not big enough for so great a longing. The surge of feeling submerged everything... This, that surge of feeling submerged everything that he still remembered of himself, and he forgot the last thing he still possessed, his own name. I, I Can I can I say something really quick? Uh-huh. So it took him for literally forgetting, right? Forgetting <sighs> his own baggage, like his anger at his father. Forgetting and his like, own grief, his sadness, all of his yes. troubles at school, all of his Years. And just seeing his dad as a person who had gone what through what he had gone through to then be like, oh, I want to protect this person. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it like it is sad because you you want it to be the case that the parents can be that for the kid. But they can't always. But they can't always. <laughs> and this the like surge of longing. Yeah, I I started crying because it it reminded me of <laughs> Oh no. It reminded me <sighs> So when I was at my dad's funeral and it was like the the full knowledge, like the inescapable, unchangeable knowledge that I was I could not ever make things right with my dad again. I could not ever apologize to him. I could not ever tell him I forgive him and ask for his forgiveness in return. It was like all of the nice things I had just said about him in the eulogy, Right. I was never going to be able to say to him. And it was like every cell in my body felt like the full truth of that and I wanted it so badly not to be real yeah and so when I read this part I was like (gasps) (sighs) (sighs) oh my god and then also just like a man encased in ice yeah I was like this is too much for me aww yeah and it's uh, this other part I want to read too. 
That night, tired as he was, the boy who no longer had a name could not sleep. He kept seeing the picture before his eyes. It was as though this man wanted to say something to him but could not, because of the block of ice he was imprisoned in. The boy without a name wanted to help him, wanted to make the ice melt. As in a waking dream, he saw himself hugging the block of ice, trying in vain to melt it with the heat of his body. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. And so yeah. then that tells him what he needs to search for. Yeah. And then that's when he's able to find Atreyu and Falcor again. And in finally being willing to give, oh, because we didn't even talk about this part, finally being able to give, or finally choosing to give Atreyu Orin. Oh, my God. Well, that's the whole reason why they had their, like, frenemy situation was because Atreyu and Falcor were like, yo, we need to take Orin, we need to take Orin away from, from, uh, from Bastion, Bastion because he's, he's like poisoned getting everything. Yeah, this is some fucking golem shit. We gotta get it away from him. And then, of course, he's like, "Ugh, they're scheming against me." Zaid was right. Because oh, because he gets this belt that makes him invisible. Oh my god, his logic when he's like, "Um, I'm feeling kind of like lonely, but I'm also like low energy, so I'm gonna go hang out with them without them knowing I'm there by wearing this invisible belt." Yeah, it's like I don't want to apologize. I know they're not gonna apologize to me, but I just like want to be near them. <laughs> so then he goes, and they're like, "We need to get that thing away from him," and he's like, "Fiend, what?" <laughs> So then he like kicks them out basically, uh, like catches uh, Atreyu red handed and is like, I'm banishing you forever. Uh, goodbye. I never want to fucking see you again. And then like they come back and he's like, okay, so I do. I have slept on it. I have thought about it. I should give this to you. And Atreyu's yeah. like, wow, okay. And the second he does that, then they are like transported inside the Orin itself. Yeah, and that's the final door. Yes. And then he's Which able the... to drink the water of life. And he gulps it down. Gulpatronics, like, majorly. <laughs> he's like, I have to take this back to my dad. And mm -hmm. Atreyu's like, you'll never be able to do that. And Falcor's like, I don't know, man. Bastion can do a lot of things that we can't do. And Atreyu's like, true. Yeah. And so Bastion tries with all his might to take this water back with him. And then, boom, he wakes up in the school attic and the book is gone. And he's like, oh, man, okay, well, I got to go tell Mr. Coriander that I lost his fucking book that I stole. Because the I whole reason he holed up in the attic is because he was so, he thought that he was going to be, like, arrested. The entire world yeah. was going to hate him. His father would banish him. And he's like, I guess I'll just run away forever because I stole this book. Yeah. And then, but now he's like, I mean, whatever. I have to deal with the consequences of my actions. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to, oh, the doors are locked. Well, I'll just climb out of this second story window. I mean, I've, it's going to be scary, but I've done scarier. So I'll just deal with it. Gets out. And then he runs all the way home and he's like, what if my dad's not home? But he then his know dad how much saw time him. has passed. I know he thinks he fucking like has been gone for like a hundred billion years. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he like Rip Van Winkled it, and he's like everyone's probably dead. Yeah, <laughs> but then he gets home and his dad sees him coming up. So his dad's running down the stairs, hugs him, and he sees that his dad has red eyes and he's unshaven and like he's been up all fucking night worried about his son. 
because the dad was probably like my wife fucking died and now my son like what like my like, life fucking sucks that's what brought him out of his block of ice i know oh, it's man. him remembering his love for his son and then so he he like runs up and he's like oh i don't have the the water uh, the what is it water of life uh-huh and then his dad was like, well, what happened? And so he tells the entire never-ending story to his dad. And that was the water of life, which is just taking a second to talk to your parent. Which well, I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to read this part too. Okay. So good. Night was falling by the time Bastion came to the water of life and told his father how he had wanted to bring some but had spilled it. It was almost dark in the kitchen. His father sat motionless. And side note, I'm so glad that we didn't have to deal with some like, that's cute, son. It was just like, yeah, that did happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His father sat motionless. Bastion stood up and switched on the light. And then he saw something he had never seen before. He saw tears in his father's eyes. And he knew that he had brought him the water of life after all. (laughs) Bastion's father sat sat him down on his lap and hugged him. When they had sat like that for a long while, his father heaved a deep sigh, looked into Bastion's face and smiled. It was the happiest smile Bastion... (laughs) ...had ever seen on his face. From now on, said his father, everything is going to be different between us. Don't you agree? Bastion nodded. He couldn't speak. His heart was too full. It was so beautiful. So beautiful. And then he goes to Mr. Coriander and Mr. Coriander's like, I've never heard of this book. I don't know what you're talking about, but I have been to Fantastica. I got there via a different book. Let's be friends forever and talk about all of our memories. I was really laughing at the part where like we find out that Bastion has to tell the story again. And I was like, oh my God, dude, you just told it to your dad. You got to tell it to this old dude. Okay. And he's like, He didn't give him as much detail as his dad, but it did take two hours. (laughs) And then the whole time, it turns out the whole time Bastion's dad was just out on the street waiting for him. And Bastion looks out. The dad's like, hi. (laughs) He's like, that's okay, kid. I'll wait. I I waited a day. I can wait a couple hours. So funny. And then, so then he's like, yeah, but that's, he's like, there's a lot of ways to get to Fantastica and there's a lot of ways for things in Fantastica to come here. But that's a story <laughs> for another time. For another time, which happens a lot in the book. They're like, a and then the this book. happened with this character when they went away and did this. But that's a story for another time. And it's like, there are 12 million stories yeah. <laughs> for all 12 million characters. I feel like he was trying to make like a Michael Endy see you or whatever. <laughs> like, he, there's like so many. He's like, oh, but His just MCU. you wait. The Michael. Oh, cinematic. Michael, see you, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> and I love that he, like, yeah. There was like from the get go, like we meet that one centaur who's like, I'm wearing the, I'm wearing Orin, uh, but I'm not gonna wear it forever. I'm gonna give it to Atreyu. I'm gonna find him in the juicy grass, <laughs> and and then he's like, uh, and now I'm gonna go on my own adventure. But that's another story for another time. Like, <laughs> like from the great. beginning. Um, it was great. Oh, and I forgot. So when he gets to the water of life, he truly like jumps into it and bathes and drinks it. Cannonball. And that's what changes him back into himself. And 
And so it's like, finally, we got back to the thing that I was hoping would happen right away, but which I was wrong to hope in, hope for right away because this is so much better. It says, but then he jumped into the crystal clear water. He splashed and spluttered and let the sparkling rain fall into his mouth. He drank till his thirst was quenched and joy filled him from head to foot. The joy of living and the joy of being himself. He was newborn, and the best part of it was that he was now the very person he wanted to be. If he had been free to choose, he would have chosen to be no one else, because now he knew that there were thousands and thousands of forms of joy in the world, but that all were essentially one and the same, namely the joy of being able to love. And much later, long after Bastion had returned to his world, in his maturity and even in his old age, this joy never left him entirely, even in the hardest moments of his life. He preserved a lightheartedness that made him smile and that comforted others. Yeah. So he like goes back to being like a chubby little butterball. And I he's know. like, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Anyone I was else. like, no, I know. wouldn't. I was like, yeah, body positivity. <laughs> yeah. I Good loved work, it. Michael, Andy. Because that was the other thing, right? Like he... He's like, I under, he's like, I love everything about myself, like, because that's me and I love me. I was like, oh, <laughs> because like, I don't care what form I'm in because as long as I am capable of loving, yeah, that's the true form. And I was like, loved it. This book is so very good. It was so beautiful. So lovely. So I, I definitely read this one. It's, I'm, I mean, (laughs) it reminds me of like, it's, it's just, you know what, if you need just like pure, sweet joy, that's not, that somehow is not overly saccharine. It's not because like, it's, it's also like scary and sad and really deep and poignant and happy and fun and it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of my really all-time good. faves. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. 10 out of 10. Would do business again. <laughs> Will, like, chef kiss. My compliments. <laughs> my compliments to Michael Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is Never Ending Story. We kind of pretty much only covered the I, second half. It makes, because the first half is so, I feel like everybody. It's so in all of our brains. It and it's really, so similar. And, and it is exa- exactly. The movie is the book. You get. The only difference. Like, I don't know why the author is mad because it seemed to me a perfect adaptation. Yeah. Literally, like there's there's like two differences. One is that like there's like a lot more preamble before Atreyu gets the. Like not a lot more, maybe like ten pages, like more preamble. I was actually surprised of, how quickly it happened. Yeah, Atreyu gets uh, Orin, um, and then also that Atreyu is like not green skinned. <laughs> That's yes, those are the main. It, the it difference. was very much like you could see, like all of the um, changes were definitely budgetary. <laughs> yes, and I think just like what was going to look the best, because yeah. like. You're going to paint this kid olive green every time. <laughs> and it would like, probably look like shit. Don't do that. You know, it'll be it's like, just, just it's let like, it. It's like, we all know that the character is actually Native American. So just like, yeah, just have it be Make that. him vaguely Native American. Um, 
So next week, we are reading The Last Unicorn. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay! Another childhood We are not favorite. for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever read I this remember. book. Um, I have. It's very good. Great. I'll be really Love sad it. if I read it and I'm like, mmm, racist. Uh, Apparently, I racist? didn't catch that the first time. <laughs> Wait, the, the Last Unicorn is racist? I, I said it would be really bad if like we oh, I'm like, oh. it's so good. And then we read it and I'm like, it's so racist. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody on Twitter did say that they were now rereading Princess Bride and it was racist and fat shamey. So heads up. Great. I, the movie Great. I, was not like that. I have read Princess Bride as well, but it was a while ago. I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Racism was definitely a concern of mine at the time, but I think Fat shaming was like less of a thing at the forefront of my mind. I recognize well, and my like it might that. be, it might be that kind of racism that like as a child you might not pick up on because it's like microaggressiony. So you're just like, oh, it's just they're just describing them that way. But it's like, yeah, I don't know the yeah context you might not. because it was somebody yeah. else saying it. Oh, here it um, is, Park Ranger Park, reading through the Princess Bride for the first time. And just now discovering it's racist and fat shamey. Glad I didn't have any attachment to the movie. Otherwise, I'd feel conflicted ever watching it. Excited to hear Teen Creeps Pod discuss it. But I don't, the movie is not. Not in my recollection. Maybe I'll rewatch the movie and see. Maybe. But like, I've seen that movie I don't know if I can about recall. one billion times. But it sounds like um, this person has never seen the movie. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd feel conflicted ever watching it. The movie's not like that Park Ranger Park. So I'm going to tell you something. I (laughs) have seen Princess Bride once. Oh. And I was very drunk. So I don't remember (laughs) it. Um, I don't. So I actually don't have the childhood thing that everybody has with Princess Bride. Mm. And and I don't mean to sound like generalizey, but it just always struck me as like white people fucking love the Princess Bride. I mean, white that's people undeniable. can't get enough about the Princess Bride. So I, I just remember always like like in my head growing up, like I'm sure it's the- a white girl. I'm sure it's like, yeah, yeah a white thing. Yeah, because I remember like all of these white people I knew were like very, very interested in Princess Bride. Well, I and I'm would sure love if I had seen it, I would have because like I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm gonna, Still I'm to gonna, day. I'll watch it uh, to truly see it. I have and I'll always watch it been annoyed by the Fred Savage Columbo um, situation uh, narrative device, mm. <clears throat> but it's because like. The the book is William Goldman is writing the book as though he is um it's like The Princess B- Bride by S. G. Morgenstern. Right. And then like William Goldman, the author, is like, hey, remember the Princess Bride by S. G. Morgenstern? Here it is. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. as if he didn't write it. And so I think mm-hmm. they added that like narrative device because you get like William Goldman's narrative character mm-hmm, voice mm-hmm. in it. <clears throat> have you read that book? Hmm? Have you read print? You, you have I read have Princess read the Bride. Book. The book. I do not long remember okay. racism or fat shaming, but I definitely grant that this person may be right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's definitely possible. Like particularly fat shaming was like, and to this day, a very popular thing to do. 
It is. I don't love the insults on Trump's weight. Oh. I think there are many other things we can criticize Trump for that we don't need to go there. No. And and that's the thing like that always bugs me is like. If if it's a bad person, you feel like you're entitled to knock their appearance. I hate that. Unless they look like a little rat. Like Ruth, I mean, I have unless, said that he has a. I have said he has a dumpy ass, which he does. He does, but that's different to me than because I, I mean that I to like, me is a pants fitting problem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> He's wearing fucking He's pants wearing the that dumpiest are like, clothes because he is ashamed of his weight, and it and sad. also because he like he dresses doesn't insane. know he doesn't know what looks good. I, I mean, and that's the other. I I'm gonna tell you something. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee. And I'm so sorry to anybody out there. But if you call him a Cheeto, I cannot ever think you're funny. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think I just can't. I just, it's, yeah. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, as a, I just feel like if we're at a dinner party. It just is so hack. And, and you're like, I'm going to do my Trump impression. I'm going to be like, let's. Never speak again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we well, can- not at my dinner party. Yeah, you're absolutely not allowed to do that. Um, it's just, it's just we have different vibes, and it's not going to work. We have different sensibilities, and yeah, we should recognize that as perhaps and, a roadblock. Yeah, and act accordingly, which is to stay the fuck away from each other. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. But yeah, um, I mean, we can all we can all admit that fat shaming is a national pastime. And it's not fucking funny. Not it's not funny. It's mean. It's it's, mean. it's just it's it's. It doesn't so... matter if you don't like the person. Like people were attacking ugh, that fucking woman who I may have oh, talked the Q about this woman. The, no, the um, the woman who refused to let the transition start. Emily something maybe who worked in the what is it GSA? Oh, uh-huh. just the the like fucking technicality of saying yes, Biden won. Oh right, let's okay, begin yes, the this woman. Yes, yes, yes. So this woman is overweight. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah, we don't need to mention her weight. We can just talk about the fact that she's a stupid bitch. Yeah, we don't need to like knock her appearance. Well, it's literally it's 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 stooping to the kind of shit that like that side does. Yeah. Like when you give a fucking nickname of like, oh, Donnie, Jay, you know, like don't diaper Don. I'm like, okay, you're literally doing the fucking rhetoric shit that he does. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's his level insult. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Get better at being insulting. Like Pocahontas. Yeah. Like that's that's the fucking bullshit. You're fucking doing that. You're not funny. Don't play his game. Don't play his game. Don't Um, be mean about people's weight. Yeah. It's not. That has nothing to do with her being a stupid-ass bitch. She's just a stupid-ass bitch. Yeah. Or, okay, I'm going to tell you something right now. There is there is this trend, and and I, I really, really, really hate it, of people sharing, like, on Twitter, these videos of, like, either anti-maskers or, and it's usually, so it's, it's usually someone having, like, a freak out, right? Uh-huh. Like there was one that was where this woman was screaming Career about shows. not being able to go on the bus in Toronto because she refused to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And she was like, someone give me a ride. But she was screaming. 
to a point where she was obviously fucking unwell. Like this, and people are like, oh, right wing idiot. And I'm like, dude, this person is like having a break. Like this person has. They're having a nervous breakdown. And they've, they obviously suffer from something that, that is completely consuming. There's a definite, like, there's a difficult line, and I'm not saying it's easy to find, but But a difficult line between mocking someone for their shitty political beliefs Mm -hmm. and then just being, like, totally unsympathetic. Well, there's, like, there's this other video going around with this woman that was, like, crying because I don't even know what. She's just crying. And she's, like, please. Yes, and please, Donald Trump, help us. That, I was, like... That person, this person is so swindled. Yes, and also is so absolutely unhinged, right? Like, and probably so. And I don't. I don't mean to be like a, an armchair diagnosis or whatever, but like, obviously, does not have a grasp of reality. And like, you are laughing. Like, you're like, oh, look at this dumb bitch. Like, they're like, why are you wasting your energy making fun of this woman who is? obviously very mentally unwell when you could be using it to fucking hate the people that deserve your hate which is fucking mitch mcconnell like all those people that actually have power that are making those people fucking believe that shit Mm -hmm. and so like yeah you feel really good huh sitting in your fucking like like it's just very like well i'm not like them they're so stupid and it's like they can't like yeah they're stupid yeah. And you're mocking them because they don't like there's that's what I like mean about the fine line. It's like there's a fine line between being like it's like, no, we're not talking about unity right now. None of your policies are valid. We don't have to fucking negotiate with you on that. And also, yeah. but at the same time, wanting cue people to find their way home. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they're terrible. They suck, mm-hmm. but like, and they shouldn't who knows be in their the fucking life government. circumstances that got them. Oh well, hurt that woman, Marjorie, whatever, whatever. Yeah, no, fuck her. No, no, fuck her. I mean, like, crying lady on TikTok. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that these people are hurting people. I know that they're hurting us. I know, but I can at the same time hope that they like figure it out and stop doing this. Well, and like, it's just, and and here's the other thing. I've seen videos of like people being racist or people being anti-maskers or whatever, where I'm like, oh, you are an asshole. Yeah, you want us to be filming you and posting this. Right, right. Like the people that fucking stormed the like uh, grove or whatever and were like screaming at. (laughs) Yeah, that Facebook group. Yeah, and they were like screaming at these Asians at 88 degrees. Like it's like, I'm like, okay, I like. Those people, I do think, deserve scorn. But I'm like, you know it when you see it. And it's usually like one person. Although this woman might also be joining those groups. It's hard. to. It's just like, well, don't pass around a video of her breakdown, though. It's like you can hate her and and not pass around a video of her breakdown. And it's also, it's not even, to me, a lot of those videos, I'm like, I think much of this person's existence is this type of breakdown. Like, I think this person is constantly, like... They are not connected person is to miserable. reality. Yes. yes. And there's something so cruel about b- 
being like <laughs> crazy lady in Toronto screaming about not being able to ride the bus where I'm like, fuck, I don't know. This person is is like, is mentally very unwell like to a degree like this person thinks they can't ride the bus. Yeah. Yeah. That's upsetting. Yeah. I don't know. And it's just such a fine line between like, yes, they're terrible people, but also like hoping that they stop being terrible and like giving yeah. them the space to stop being terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's <sighs> it's so it's just very like it's just super. It's really complicated. Yeah. Very complicated. And like I said, it's not all these videos. I've seen plenty of videos of like some fucking Karen. That's also the thing. There's a difference, and people keep using Karen mm -hmm. to mean just like anybody having a fucking breakdown. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not a Karen. That's not a Karen. Because I've seen videos of Karens who are being like very, very racist and trying not to seem that way, and like trying to call the cops on you. Yes, versus like someone that is just like at the really end of unwell. Rope. Yeah, <laughs> just really, really, really unwell. Like just totally lost all sense of reality if yes. you're like begging donald trump of all people who doesn't yeah. care if you live or die yeah and you think he's your savior that's so sad yeah it's so and fucking sad like these people have been duped so badly and i understand it's because they're inclined to be racist and bigoted right it's right. still sad well and like there's there's this um there, I've seen a couple of these videos. I don't remember the specifics of them, but they're like very obviously like unhoused person. It's like an unhoused person screaming something racist. And I'm like, but that person is probably has some kind of issue that's spiraled completely out of control. They have no sense on reality. They have no, uh, what's the word? Uh, like resources or network or anything and you're seeing them like scream at nobody and you're videoing them and you're like wow racist lady walking down the street and i'm like but that's not what they need right now. that's that, and that's also not like that person you're not thinks she's talking to somebody person right now no, you need you are to hop so into mean. fantastica and learn some lessons about yourself yeah, I don't know. I just feel like don't waste your hatred on on that. Like waste your hate or use your hatred for the people that deserve it, which is like fucking Ted Cruz, who is like pushing the fucking Q agenda of this maniac in like, I'm just like, what? Like truly. And here's what I'm going to say. I don't mind saying that Ted Cruz is maybe the ugliest man I've ever fucking seen in my life. Like, I don't mind saying that. I, <laughs> because he's ugly to me because he's terrible. Well, and it's just, it's coming out of him. I can yes. see it coming out of him. It's I like Dorian it. Gray, but it's not in a portrait. It's just who he is. Like Mitch McConnell looks like a fucking, like, series of marshmallows that got put yes. in a microwave and came out with a face. He, yes. like, fuck him. Rudy Giuliani looks like an evil bat person. Oh, God. Well, and that's the other thing is that, like, it's, and, and this is whatever, but I do feel like, like, 
the entire and maybe this makes me hypocritical I maybe feel like their ugly their ugliness inside has warped their outside yes and they're all fucking rotting and they want to hold desperately on to power because it makes them forget their fucking mortality but guess what we all fucking die get over it get like stop trying to control every fucking thing because you in yourself have value intrinsically you do not need other people to step on in order to prove that i am sorry i screamed it's okay <laughs> and you, you were just it's speaking okay. loudly in my opinion it was not screaming thank you you're welcome yeah monsters there there are true monsters and then there are people who are like uh suffering because of their own um, whatever, whatever whatever we don't Cir know they they have extenuating circumstances yeah just be careful when you racist, share videos I'm like also that sad that's for racist yeah because they're racist yeah. and they're they're miserable human beings yeah i just am i implore you to be careful about what videos you're sharing is it somebody are you mocking has, the mentally ill <laughs> yes that's what it is are you mocking the mentally ill or regardless are you of their racist? shitty what whatever beliefs they hold if they are mentally ill don't mock them yeah yeah because exposing racists is fine i don't mind that yeah i don't mind that at all but there's a line look yeah, for the line I think that's the moral i think that's the moral there is a line um so thank you so much everybody for listening <laughs> that was the never-ending story um we really appreciate you um a very special thank you to our patreon listeners um, you help keep us alive. Um, I just found my one note that I wrote in my notes on never ending story. <laughs> Hashtag not all children. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> What was that in regards to? Um, so I think that was when uh Mr. Coriander is like, uh, children are annoying and they bother oh. everybody. And then Bastion's like, well, not all kids are like that. <laughs> Hashtag not all children. Hashtag not all That's children. Very true. Um, a very special thank you to our Patreon supporters. You guys really are help keeping us alive right now. Yes, um, we appreciate you. A uh, special shout out to our Patreon producers. Thank you, Amanda Nengel. Ann Dwyer. Ashley Fritz. Brian Petty II. Claire Moore. Courtney McPhail. Danielle Lamana. Danny, Emily Pooley, Emma, Gabriela Santiago, Gianna Fernandez, Grace Armstrong, Jeremy Krong, Jessica Smith Harper, Jonathan Venable, Jordan Colwick, Karen Lewis, Kat Miller, Katie Lilly, Katie Olsner, Kelly Byrne, Christina, Landry Desmond, Laura Hooper, Lonnie Martin, Luke Bartek, Mandalay Wolschlager, Marcy Raquel Blackwell, Marco Pavlicich, Melody, Megan Lozier, Micah Eunice, Miguel Camacho, Miranda Hester, Molly Marks, Oscar Gallegos, Randy Klett, Rashad Black, Rogue Kalahua, Sersha Descaro, Sarah, Sarah Jaggers, Sarah Nichelle, Sarah Wallen, Sasha Gibson, Sydney Bollinger, Tristan Buckner, Victoria Beck, Victoria Gray, Victoria Valdez, Wendy Bartos, Hooray. and Wendy Bartos. And I don't know why. Wendy Bartos. <laughs> and Wendy Bartos. But that's a story for, for another, another time. time. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad that we're doing this fantasy February because it finally gave me an excuse to prioritize reading the never ending story. Yeah. And which honestly, is frankly why I suggested doing it. It's a wonderful excuse. I mean, it's a wonderful escape as well. Yes. I, it, it's really wonderful. It's just really heartwarming. 
it's also it's kind of rainy right now so it's really nice to like Mm -hmm. have the rain be outside and cozy up with a fantasy book Mm -hmm. love it (laughs) same all right thank (laughs) you so much everyone uh wear a mask get the vaccine when you're able keep it creepy forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by kelly nugent Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.